welcome to Dwarf Fortress Roundtable, the podcast for all things dwarfy. I'm Jonathan. I'm Roland. I'm Tony. And we are here today, bunkered down. I think the whole world is is trying to stay away from other people with the social distancing movement. <laughs> How's that going for everybody? It's good. I've moved my microphone two meters away from everyone, so <laughs> I, I'm trying to respect that. So if my audio is a little quiet this week, you'll know why. Um, yeah, me as a, hotro, a hardcore introvert, I am good. And actually, I'm, I'm really good because I got to play Dwarf Fortress the entire week. I know I should be studying, but never mind. We can get lots and lots of more hours of Dwarf Fortress in now that everyone is being ordered by their respective governments to stay at home as much as possible. And, you know, it's a <laughs> lemonade out of lemons, I suppose. Yeah, I wonder if it means that... Uh... Some of the steam works progressing faster. Toady One put a dev notes release out on a, on the Bay 12 Games slash Dwarf website that had some photo examples of how the uh, how the graphics work is coming. Did you all see that? Yes. And now I'm going to unmiss it. Right now. <laughs> Ooh, we are so prepared, my God. Yeah, my goodness. <laughs> how did I miss that? I think... Yeah, I just haven't been. Oh, it's very lovely. It's it's a lot like some of those early pictures showed. I saw on the Bay 12 forums that um, somebody was talking about Meth's pack because Meth had his you know his tiles set in launcher on the DFFD, and then it said it was for 4704, but then when you went to actually 4703, and then he had basically just said, "Yeah, sorry, the Steam stuff's." you know, getting really busy right now. So I haven't been able to do it. So, you know, I think everyone was like, Oh no, 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 please don't just leave it the way it is. Forget it. Forget we asked. <laughs> we don't care. So that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, I, it's coming mm, along. It looks, you know, it looks like a, it could be a combination of not surprisingly the meth and mayday tile sets. So that's pretty neat. Oh yeah. From his write up, it sounds like he is more deeply involved in the, aesthetic values of the of the graphics work than I really thought that he was going to be based on you know the chatter that I'd heard through the through the last year or so that uh, he was going to be doing the mechanics part of it but the actual graphics work was going to be offloaded pretty much to meth from that right up the and and mayday yeah that's what I had understood it's going to be a collaboration between meth and mayday and that's pretty cool because I really like both their tile sets so does May- you know, I don't think that I've ever played Mayday's tile set. Is it no, actually called Mayday? It is, yeah. yeah. I would recommend giving it a, a look if you've never played it. It's it's less, I mean, it's lighter weight than like Vutlinger or Math's tile sets, but um, but it has a really cool, it's reminiscent of things like Phoebus and Space Fox. It's pretty cool. I like it. I like it. I started playing Vetlinger's tile set on this most recent fort that I had, and on second uh, second visit to it, I do like it. I like it a lot. It, it's great. One of the great things about it is you can zoom in more because it's a thirty two by thirty two tile set. You can zoom in more and it doesn't get get blurry like like um, the uh, sixteen by sixteens do. So, yeah, nice. and it's awesome on a four K screen, um, <laughs> so you can have full four K glory of the fortress, which I mean. 4K glory of Dwarf Fortress. It's time to go 4K for Dwarf Fortress (laughs) alone. (laughs) Gotta do it. Roland, I saw you post to the Discord channel basically the results of your fortress. Could you elaborate on that? 
So I have not played uh, 04 yet because it's not out for Windows. Um, anyway, I'm still playing on 03. I went ahead and made a, what's it called? A Ruin Assault. And for, for my experience, Ruin Assault can be two things. You know, you, you go ahead and claim a lost ruin for yourself. So it, they used to be dwarves, but they're not anymore. And uh, sometimes you have like creatures, creepy crawlers, uh, weird bullshit going on, just mean things hanging around your fortress. And for this fortress, I actually had just had a family of magma crabs and a magma man in my forges. <laughs> but that's fine. I just locked them away and didn't touch it. So that was fine. However, in this fortress, I had more forgotten beasts come in than in any other fortress. Um, I loaded the, uh, what, what's it called? Uh, the Legends view up to see how many I got. And I got 25. Good grief. 25 forgotten beasts. Okay, well, I played the whole week, but still, 25 <laughs> beasts is like a Oi. lot. I had, sometimes I had like two in a year, and it got so bad that I had to just lock up my caverns completely. So my my first cavern layer is now cleared out again. My second cavern layer is absolutely bonkers and can never be entered because there are like three or four forgotten beasts still lingering around in every corner. And the third is somewhat walled off so I can get my water supply. But the caverns are teeming. <laughs> so then I started raiding after a while because I had nothing else to do and the goblins didn't show up for a while. Where did they go? Yeah, <laughs> but I didn't raid the goblins. I raided a tower and oh. because, well, there was a tower to my north and for some reason they actually ignored me for a while and I had now a fortress of like 100 dwarves so I got a bit cocky and greedy and was like, come here, you... Mm. And I raided them, and they brought back some books. Uh-oh. And me being lazy, I didn't check the books. And me being lazy, I didn't check anybody on what they're doing. <laughs> I just tried out a new, uh, some, some training stuff in the caverns. I made some, some, some more uh, clothing, item fabrication levels. And after a while... I saw a report plop in, like, the Fisher Dwarf Necromancer so-and-so uh, stopped stopped his work. And I was like, hang on, <laughs> wait a second. Um, and then I was like, I didn't get any migrants. What, what the heck is happening? So I clicked on my unit list and, oh, I suddenly had, like, 10 Necromancers. And I was like, oh, surprise. Um, turns out I had a, a book that is called Mortality Revealed or something along those lines. And well, it contains some secrets. And by now, first of all, I was like, I was, um, I didn't like it because, well, necromancers are really annoying to handle, especially if you have also non-necromancers in your fort. Then stuff is going to Hit the ceiling. Um, hit the fan, is it actually? Not hit the ceiling, isn't it? <laughs> it's just going to hit the it. roof and the ceiling and the yeah. cabin floors. And, it's yeah. going to yeah. hit 
all over. Like everything is going to be bloody and gross. Um, anyway, so I thought, okay, what should I do now? But I decided to let it run along and see where it leads because, you know, I want some fun. And now my entire fortress is, well, it's a necromancer fort. And the only people that are not afflicted by this, uh, I, always, uh, I, I almost want to say curse, are my children because they cannot read. <laughs> my vampire dude that is locked away and... Uh, like cursed to train in his deep dark room somewhere and my few were beasts that are also managed to log in um the rest are all necromancers and at this point i am looking forward to the next goblin siege because that is going to be crazy um <laughs> I have four squads of extremely well-trained militia and all of them are necromancers. So this is, it's going to be just great. Like, oh. at that point I stopped playing because I'm, I'm basically now waiting for a siege and uh, I will see how it goes. But so I will post the, uh, the picture that you posted of to the, to the website of the unit list of your folks. And if you, if you don't mind, I would like to read the description of the Mortality Exposed book. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Mortality Exposed, a pitch blend bound codex. This is a pitch blend bound codex. The written portion contains a 54 page manual entitled Mortality Exposed, authored by Usher Mission Ropes. It concerns the secrets of life and death. The writing is quite cheerful, yet it is quite self-indulgent. Overall, the prose is amateurish at best. <laughs> Seems I love the enough. book descriptions. These are great. But you have to imagine that this book contains the secrets of life and death, and it's cheerful. Like, can't be too bad, can it? Hey, cheerful, self-indulgent, and amateur at best. <laughs> kind of funny so you're gonna hold on to that fort and uh and 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 wipe out a, a massive group of of goblins that come in. so necromancers are immortal right once they become necromancers um i suppose so yeah i've never actually seen a necromancer die from old age so i i just assumed yes so you get a goblin attack your necromancers go out there kill goblins and then raise them uh-huh. That's what's going to happen. That's going to be, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens so long as you don't end up with frame death. Well, yeah, that's that could be a problem, especially since the last siege that I've got uh, was like 120 goblins. And they usually tend to get bigger over the years. I might also just make everybody into a military dwarf and send all of my fort off to like go somewhere and kill people we we will see also one thing i just wanted to throw out there i did not know that if a siege of only experimentals from necromancers can attack you that the siege message is different from just normal undead oh did you know that i did not know that yeah it says 
not like the dead still walk uh, hide while you still can like the normal zombie thing it says forms twisted from their nature legion of the night but hope remains oh and i did not know that and it showed up and i was really confused because i had never saw it before and it's the message when just experiments attack you experiments are not typically undead though right they are exactly they're they just are, weird they are what happens whenever you take an elf and mix it with a beetle man basically yes um, they don't have to be undead, and they don't even have to be strong. I think it's actually kind of a raw mixing. Yeah, it's, imagine what you would get from a B-movie from the 1950s, and I think that that's, that's what is in my head. The amazing mm-hmm. Caterpillar Man. I had a bloated corpse guy become my my mayor. Aww. And uh, he had a wife, and things seemed to be okay. She was apparently she was a dwarf, and she was okay with him being a bloated corpse. So well, good for them. Good <laughs> cool for them. It's nice judge. to see people be happy. <laughs> you know, look, just because a guy likes his his plump helmet donuts doesn't make him a bloated corpse. <laughs> um, yeah, so they they are usually intelligent to some degree. I've I've also seen sentient beings made into non-sentient beings but that was really weird and they still acted like sentient beings even though they did not have the tag so i've i've had some challenges with uh, very early undead attacks um they're pretty pretty ruthless i have as well uh, that's going to be my story for the day yeah well how about this for a segment so you want yours first, or, or should no, I go? No, go for it. You should definitely go. So I was using uh, Prodexus Arant's DF Starter Pack 4703 on a, on a Windows machine, and it was a new fort. Everything was going quite well. I had had, it was like three or four months in, and I had just gotten my first starter, or my first uh, migrant wave, and I saw the dead walk message. And at that point, I was a little bit surprised because in the past, you always have had a bit of a buffer uh, until you get to, I think the, the, the trigger has been like 60 dwarves. And bef- before that point, you're not going to get hit by a goblin siege. It's possible that you might get hit by a were, a were beast, but chances are, you know, that didn't happen every time. And, you know, the zombies may not happen every time either, but the were beast you can hide from and it will typically go away after a couple days. It turns back into whatever form that it had, and it runs away. Well, I had two zombies show up on my map. I had 13 dwarves, and they came in and decimated the, 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 the fortress. It was completely wiped out by two zombies. One was a goblin, and one was an, a swords elf. A swords elf. <laughs> Yeah, but it was it was quite yeah. sad. Everybody got wiped out but one, and this one held out for the longest time. They were doing like a yo-yo march from almost off the screen, almost to the to the entrance of the fort. It would see a, a zombie and run off, and it did that for a long, long time. It had gotten to where it was starving and dehydrated and still doing its, its runaway, attack, runaway move. But finally, it was able to get into the fortress... The first thing it did was went and got drunk, got something to eat, and then went to bed. 
And as soon as that last dwarf woke up from their slumber, it went outside its room and got killed by a zombie. Sad story. Yeah, it seems that there might need to be a call for balancing the power of the zombies <laughs> because... <laughs> yeah, I had uh, a similar story in that I had... I actually had defenses up and I had a wall built or, you know, a drawbridge or whatever my go-to is and that was built. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then I had another, you know, sort of like a courtyard drawbridge goes down. I had meant to pull the drawbridge to the courtyard up and instead pulled the drawbridge that was over, that was like near the stairwell. So the zombie was let into the courtyard and then the door went up. So basically it was one contained legendary axe dwarf, you know, undead whatever undead and legendary axe dwarf and i was like oh that's fine i have three squads of pretty much mixed in axe lord legendary type fighters myself and then i had a whole squad of archers and so i was like oh you know what archers have a back entrance they'll come up they'll shoot down from the top pelter at you know pelter and then my three squads of legendaries will take care of her so i was like ah that's cool i got this you know everyone else is kept out so all three squads went up and she wiped out all 30 of those dwarves in no time at all. And then the archers, instead of going where they were supposed to go, ended up just kind of throwing their crossbows at her and doing melee attacks with the crossbows instead of shooting arrows. Classic. No. And so that was 40 dwarves dead. And then the gate was open. So she went down into the fort and wiped out the rest. And it was a 212 or so person fort. Yep. One. <laughs> just one against... <laughs> a really well-trained group of 40 militia. Yeah, but, and then, of course, everybody was dead except for the mayor who was hiding in his chambers. And I just had to abandon the fort and, and leave the mayor to his fate. I couldn't see it. I, I just couldn't bear it. I mean, you have to imagine that uh, as soon as something becomes undead, it triples its stats. So even like a cat or a chicken is already a fearful... Uh, uh, enemy for your dwarves but a legendary fighter dwarf is like that's a fortress killer that, that's <laughs> actually a fortress killer yep all you need is one <laughs> that was uh that was a little more than i'd imagined so i was like right gotta make sure i pull the right lever next time <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot riding on this so roland is it that as soon as they go from being the land of the living to the land of the undead that their stats literally triple. Yep. Or, or does it, or, is, or was that figurative speech? No, I, I actually mean it like that. Um, as soon as something, uh, becomes undead, it triples its stats, but, um, it also locks the stats. So they cannot improve, but they also cannot decrease, but they are tripled. Yes. Is that in the raws? That that is something that I uh, read in the uh, wiki in the Dwarf Fortress wiki, okay. and that it said that uh, the stats triple. So I assumed it's actually somewhere in the rules. Well, if we have historical historic figures throughout uh, world generation raising much more undead, uh, perhaps that stat will be revisited such that they don't get you know tripled instantly and you don't immediately have legendary fighters it'd be it'd be nice if maybe you know let's say that in year one someone becomes undead maybe their rate of increase of their skills well you said that they uh 
what, you said that they lock immediately so that they don't ever increase, but they don't ever decrease either. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Don't know. So something else has happened that seems to have upset the balance. Maybe it's just the fact that there's a heck of a lot more zombies out there now because I, there's I a lot more necromancers. Yes, I think that's the problem. And also the problem is that they are more driven. I mean, okay, that's the purpose. I mean, they are supposed to be driven. But before that, they were just shambling corpses. You know, they're standing in a corner and hitting their head against the wall undead. Uh, but now they're actually like Daisy undead. <laughs> really, really scary. And they will freak you up. So they go from they go from, you know, Night of the Living Dead zombies to 28 Days Later zombies. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> and uh, they are still very much like stab wise the same. But now they have a reason and uh, they can be sent out by necromancers and necromancers and now have goals and stuff. So that that's why we suddenly have this massive increase of undead creatures that come to your fortress to like punch your dwarves <laughs> uh, instead of just standing in a corner and hitting their head against a wall, which is actually something that I saw a zombie do in Dwarf Fortress. Um, <laughs> well, I can guarantee you that these zombies now have purpose because these two zombies came in and their purpose was to snuff the life out of every last dwarf in my fortress and they succeeded. Yeah. I feel like I'm always good for a, you know, a chuckle in the game, but I just, there, there gets to be a point when, uh, yeah, things get a little serious. And, um, yeah, that was kind of, I was like, Ooh, uh, okay. I didn't think I'd be dead so fast. I, I just, I guess I thought that you, I mean, I'm not sure what it would have taken to stop this siege. Maybe there's nothing. Maybe that's, that's it. I don't know. Whatever it is. I, I guess I hadn't realized that there was, yeah, that was going to be a problem I was going to have to deal with. So, duly noted. If it ever happens again, then you should consider cage traps because cage traps are extremely overpowered and um, they are oh, okay. always worth their money, so to say. Good idea. Um, and uh, then you can just get the dwarf or the zombie or whatever in a trap and then you, you can dispose of them. Securely and safe. <laughs> oh, I can see a Krug Smash artistic drawing now of a zombie in a cage and, and the, the fortress dwarves just sitting there observing him with their <laughs> hands on their chins like thinking dwarves. Like, hmm, <laughs> look at the art. It's a zombie in a cage. Well, you Dude. know, well, someone will figure out strategies and I've got to try cage traps because that sounds like that might be yeah. a, a good way to Unless you get overpowered by a, a, a you know, a invasion of 70 zombies, in which case you're hosed. But my two zombie attack, cage traps could have probably handled those had I. Well, uh, part of the problem was I didn't realize that I was going to have to worry about that so early in the fortress development. So I guess security should be right after farming for <laughs> for the, you know, order of business. Yeah, I'm a big drawbridge believer. And I was watching um, one of those Krug Smash videos and he had, he's, uh, seems to just be a believer in putting a door in and then just locking it every time i've done that it feels like something just mashes the wall the, the door down and then that's the end of that so i i don't know how he makes such kick-ass doors i don't know what's going on there well this follow-up fortress that i just built the first thing that i did after i got all of my stuff inside was 
built a mechanic shop, built a bridge, and then a lever. So, yeah, it is. I am. I've just had my first uh, my first uh, caravan visit, and the uh, drawbridge has been operational for for months. So, I've I've done that too because. I, I want to be able to keep the zombies out. Although I, I got to say, I don't know if the zombies come in now, if they're ever going to leave on their own, not like a goblin siege, a goblin siege will eventually give up and take off. Yeah. Not mm. sure if the zombies mm. will. Yeah. I, I once had a fortress that was just behind a door and everybody just had to bash down two doors. I think one stone door, uh, even one wood door, but they never did. Um, I personally think it's because it's not a pathing issue, but it has to do with pathing, where they cannot find the way into the fort in order to bash down your door. You know what I'm talking about? I'm not sure that I do, but uh, but it's probably because I don't understand how they how the pathing works. Well, um, they only find a path when the door is open, and as soon as you close it again and then lock it. And they stop finding the path into your fortress and thus don't ever get to the door itself. Oh, I see. Um, so they're like, oh, that's not a, that's, that's a nothing. I can't get in there. So I'm not going to try to go to it because I can't, it doesn't look like anything because the door's locked. Yeah. I, I suppose it could be imagined like a talking dwarven door that's yeah, I was thinking invisible that too. when it's locked. <laughs> I always imagined like stone doors being like that, but. Um, speak friend and enter <laughs> but uh, they can definitely uh, bash down uh, called uh, what what doors they can do that uh, I I personally always go with draw bridges because uh, that's just way more secure yeah but sometimes a good old rocky door is quite enough cool cool After one of our podcasts, I I think we were talking about how to make archers work and fortifications seemed to be a thing that was good. So what I did and had some success with on one fort was I built a wall around it and then I built a floor around the top and then fortifications around that and then put some ammo very close to that where the stairs where they'd climb up and they used it. And I had a a little goblin siege come through and they basically just reamed him with copper arrows the whole time. And it, it drove the siege away. And I was like, yay, that feels like I was working as intended, but that was my one success there. And, and then of course, against my legendary ax Lord, they, they thought of the crossbows as bludgeons, which was, you know, Oh, that's the way it used to work. Darn. Um, mm -hmm. so I, I'm still, I think just very unsure of how archery is supposed to work. I also had problems with them in my latest fort. You have to have, like, you have to make sure that you have enough bolts um, so they can shoot. Sometimes I forget that I need to make bolts and they don't train. And I'm like, why do you not train? Well, apparently I just bought some arrows. I bought just arrows, but you need bolts because if you have a crossbow, you cannot use arrows. Yeah. Um, you also have to always set your squad to active. So it's S, then the, the, the squad 
activate the squad and then press T. And uh, that should work. And for me, it works best if your archery range, you want the archery range to, to be not wide. So uh, sometimes they your dwarves are really stupid, you know? If your archery range is too wide, they just stand somewhere in the range and look straight ahead and see no target and do not shoot because they're that stupid. So you you have to make sure that it's just one block wide. How do you do that? Well, it's it works best if you just make a wall around it. So it's really just a small tunnel and at the end of the tunnel you put the archery target and i tried that out and it works so good i'm amazed by it Um, so you're basically just making like really long narrow corridors or not even long necessarily but just narrow corridors just narrow just narrow and then they can stand in front of the actual target instead of just next to it and like oh there's the target let's shoot at it um, well, you can even don't... retcon. You can even retcon that into like a, a real world style, and have your archery target practice range be like an indoor shooting range with uh, with guns. Because you know you have the spot where the station that you actually fire the fire the firearm from, but there is a tunnel that you're firing down. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I can see. I've that. never actually been to to. No, that's not true. I've been to a firing range, but there there are no tunnels. Uh, I mean, I I didn't have. They're they're not tunnels either. They're but they're it kind of feels that way. Kind of more like a bowling alley. But anyway, yeah, 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 bowling alley. That's good. That's good. Yeah, like a bowling alley, and you have to make sure that the dwarfs can stand in front of their respective like bunch of kegs so they can shoot at them. Yeah, and uh, that worked. That worked actually <laughs> really good. Uh, you don't actually have to put like the ammo stockpile next to them. You just have to make sure that your ammo stockpile is somewhere in your fortress and is also always a bit filled so they can restock. And yeah, I mean, that's it. But for some reason, some of my archers didn't actually fire. They just stood around doing nothing while being trained, having crossbows and bolts. <laughs> <laughs> they're still bugging on but at least I get them to train but I never get them to shoot at enemies <laughs> do you know oh, the pain well. of having actual trained archers and not getting your archers to shoot at things instead just standing there and getting ripped to shreds by enemy crossbow fire <sighs> Okay, well, we're coming up on an hour of recording, and there's a couple more things that I want to get into this this episode. Yes. Um, first of all, yes. I was planning on doing a Let's Play Dwarf Fortress at OzCon 2020. Well, uh, thank you, COVID-19, but OzCon 2020 has been canceled, so I won't be doing that. Um, but, you know, uh, there's everything in the world's getting canceled right now, so I shouldn't be too upset that this little, this little comic book conference uh, got canceled, so... I was a little saddened by that. We had made our dwarf fortress sign and everything. At least we had cut out the letters and the little dwarf head, me and my, my dad. So that was fun, though. Yeah, man. This is crazy world. Yeah. 
So just gives everyone an excuse to stay home and play lots and lots of Dwarf Fortress. Yeah, we'll be sheltering in place with 4704. Yeah. Yeah. Letting the development work get on. Hopefully the Steam release will be out in two weeks. <laughs> yeah, we had a, a we had a, a little conversation with uh, Alexi Peppers, and she was she had chatted with uh, with with Tarn uh, at a, uh, a roguelike uh, a roguelike virtual meetup, and apparently the the work is really going well. I know that we talked about it earlier in the in the podcast this time, but that's cool. But uh, yeah, it sounds like that things may be happening a lot sooner than I personally expected them to happen. Hoping so. So hey, maybe that would be a a glimmer of hope right now that we need. <laughs> Thanks, Tarn. Yeah. Tarn sheltering in place and putting all of his Bro, energy totally into keep keep that guy in place. Yeah. Do <laughs> no not go GDC out, for him. No, he's gonna work on the Steam release. If you're listening, shelter in place. We'll send you whatever you need. Just shelter, my friend. Shelter. The other thing that I yeah, wanted to to mention was uh, to shout out about all the great movement that we've touched on it before, but the the utility packs for this new release of Dwarf Fortress, it is not the end of March yet. The release happened less than two months, and and while all of them are still in beta form on one sort or the other, we've got... So you said that Mef has, uh, has got some updates on his. Is that correct? Yeah, he's at 4703. Very okay. cool. Perdexus Arant is in is at forty seven oh three. Jakawa's Lazy Mac Pack is sitting at forty seven oh four. Have you had a chance to play that since they've uh, since they've released the forty seven oh four, Tony? I certainly have. It's it's working like a charm. So thanks, Jakawa. Great, great. Um, McArkady One's Linux Dwarf Pack is sitting at forty seven oh four. Now I have never actually used that one. In fact, it was just yesterday whenever I was taking a look at the survey of all of the different Linux new new packs uh, that I even noticed its existence. I'm going to try that this afternoon, and hopefully I'll have a chance to report back on it in our next episode. But uh, Ine's Linux LNP is sitting at 4703, and that is what I have been using uh, for the last few games that I've played on my Linux boxes, which are which is my laptop mostly. Mm-hmm. And it seems to be working pretty much without a hitch. I did have a crash whenever I was doing an embark uh, yesterday. That's been the only crash that I've had for any of these uh, uh, Linux noob packs. So thank you so much for all of you, all of the people who are working on these. All of these seem to have text will be text in place and seems to be working great. Um, yeah, everything's everything seems to be progressing well and we're close to having all of our, our solid releases out. So that's really nice. Okay. Well, does anybody else have anything? I think that we covered everything on our list. Anybody else have any new news that they'd like to talk about? I think we're solid. Cool. Yeah. Everybody be safe. Uh, I know social distancing has become a bit of a cliche, but, uh, you know, I guess that's how we're going to have to get through this. Be careful, wash your hands, and all that kind of junk that they told us when we were kids but we didn't listen to. (laughs) Stay away from everybody. (laughs) Okay. Awesome. Well, Have fun and play play some some DS. Yeah. So I suppose until next time, this is Dwarf Fortress Roundtable and happy fortressing people. Hey, see you later, guys. Bye bye. Bye. This has been Dwarf Fortress Roundtable, the podcast for all things dwarfy. 
You can find all our past episodes at dfroundtable.com. Please stop by and leave a comment or suggestion in the comments section for this episode. While you're there, you can subscribe to Dwarf Fortress Roundtable or find us in the podcast service of your choice. Music for this episode is from filmmusic.io. Sky Q. Ellen and Folk Round are both by Kevin McLeod. You can find more music from Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com. Please consider donating to the creators of Dwarf Fortress at bay12games.com. If you'd like to help support Dwarf Fortress Roundtable, you can find us on Patreon. Links to all of these are in the show notes. Thank you.